0: Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Steven Spielberg's adaptation of the reference-filled pop-cultural novel Ready Player One. We're also going to review the guys. Well, the guys from Workaholics, Matt, they have their big first film, and it's on Netflix. It's a parody of action films called Game Over Man, and then, in honor of Mr. Spielberg, we're going to embrace ageism and discuss the five best late career directorial efforts, right? So uh well, our, our guidelines matter 60 is that what we're running with here 60 yeah 60 all right and i, I originally was like 70 and i was gasping for air trying yeah, I'm to find sure you something were. so i think your 60 recommendation was the way to go and i think the whole topic is just really inappropriate uh, <laughs> but still it's gonna be a lot of fun so let's hear a clip though from ready player one i live here in columbus ohio In 2045, it
1: still ranked the fastest-growing city on Earth. But it sure doesn't seem like it when you live in the stacks. They called our generation the missing millions. Missing not because we went anywhere.
0: There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. It's
1: the only place that feels like I mean anything. All
0: right, Matt, so I haven't read Ready Player One. You have, right. if I remember I correctly. I have, yes. So I think you may be the, the one to lead this off. So first off, why don't you tell everybody who's on their elliptical getting ready for that big 5K. Um, what I is Ready Player One all about? <laughs>
1: Um so it's the near future. Um the economy's collapsed. There's everything's overpopulated. There's really no future for the denizens of the world and essentially um it's about this uh, this young man named Wade. Um he along with everybody else spends all of their time in this virtual reality game, massively multiplayer game called The Oasis where essentially you can do anything um, you know you can have tactile sensations you it looks as real as you want it to be you can have any experience that you want um, and but everybody's focus on the oasis and the fact that the game's creator um, when he died left three Easter eggs um, in his game that if anyone was able to find it um, he would gain control of the most valuable basically the most valuable product in the in the world um, and then uh, basically it's it's the story of of wade finding the first key and it kind of sets off a domino of events
0: fantastic mm-hmm. so unlike some movies that say well when they gonna go ahead and adapt anything that it's a, they, like that's unfilmable you can't do right that. and i think that was right. one of the concerns with this film because it's it's basically a novel filled with pop cultural references and it's and it's almost and it's weighed down by them right um, is that a fair characterization having read the book matt um yeah i would say it's it's not everybody's cup of tea
1: i think you have to be a certain bent um to kind of know what the guy is talking about um the guy who wrote it ernest klein he's really our age maybe a little older um so like his his frame of reference is mostly kind of 80s pop culture which is if i'm being honest we're kind of at the tail end of of the uh of the spectrum of when that's going to be really relevant Mm -hmm. um so it is kind of weighed down, and I think you have to kind of be into that kind of stuff to really enjoy it. But at the same time, it's got some cool ideas. Um, I just think it's maybe a little too fan servicey. But at the same time, I'm the target audience, so I had a lot of fun with it.
0: That's a fair point. I feel like this thing for me was more of a tour through my childhood than a compelling narrative. Right. I mean, it, it, it has everything there. It delivers on everything Spielberg is going to give you, right? I mean, the guy right. is just, he's the Henry Ford of movie makers when it comes to this stuff. Just the assembly line of just click, click, Click and then boom, it's exactly what you're looking for, and you're gonna be entertained. Right. It's got the fun, the thrills, the laughs, the adventure. Uh, but I think it may even be hamstrung by all of that. This need to check all of these boxes. Right. Uh, and then and one thing I'm concerned about, and I think you maybe you've touched on this a little bit, is if you didn't have our point of reference for this, if you didn't have the childhoods that you and I did, would you find this enjoyable?
1: um i think so because it's it's it is it does have a lot of references in it but there a lot of them are so are are so are like blink and you'll miss it kind of stuff like you're Mm -hmm. sitting there scanning through the you know mass of players and the kind of stuff in the background and you're trying to spot all this stuff but it's not like it's not as tied to the actual plot of the movie as it was in the book. Like, the the references in and of themselves drove the plot, whereas this, is, I think, it's just more dressing.
0: Look, then maybe that's a fault of mine because I was more obsessed with that. I wasn't exactly, you know, going down with a, a roll call or, you know, a lineup sheet trying to make sure I caught everything that I saw. Sure. But I was preoccupied by it. Right. Uh, I did still, I enjoyed the thing. And, I, and I'll say this, too. This thing, Ready Player One, possibly as one of my favorite um, set pieces of any film of this century that I've seen. There is really? a particular place where they go. I think it's for the second key. Okay. I want to I, I want to avoid oh, it as much right. as possible. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if,
0: if people aren't familiar, I don't want to spoil it for you because it is done so exceptionally well. It's, yeah. it's done perfectly. I'm still yeah. looking back on it now. I'm still blown away by it. I'm thinking they must have taken... That film, and then digitally inserted themselves <laughs> in it instead of creating like, creating it digitally. sure you know what I'm sure, saying? Sure so I just that thing blew me away. I was smiling the whole time, like I cannot believe this I cannot and it looks so real I mean it, it does it is incredible what, what they're able to do with this thing. I know I sound like get off my lawn, Chris right now, <laughs> but these kids these days and their imaginary machines are just absolutely out of this world right. but still. And that, from what I understand, that scene, that whole piece was originally supposed to be Blade Runner. Right. But okay. uh, I guess that was a Cal Penn who helped write the screenplay with Ernest Klein as they felt that it was too close to Blade Runner 2049 actually coming out. Right. So they abandoned that to go with the set piece that they decided to go with, which is done perfectly. And it's right. probably for me the most enjoyable part of the film. Uh, one thing I thought was odd, and I'm curious for your take on this. Is how I don't know. I use it. I want to use this term loosely because I don't want you to think it's going to be like the next film we're going to discuss. But how profane it is! I was almost oddly taken aback by how many times the S word is used in this film. Okay. I don't know why because I feel that I feel like even though the film's target audience is probably us, this is still a kids' movie. Right. There's a lot of S bombs in this bad bear. Did you notice right. that at all, or am I? Did I just well, am I, I, guess, I hypersensitive in my I old age? I think You're just being
1: hypersensitive about it, honestly, um, Chris, as you are with most
0: things. Um, and saying, if you any if you were to watch a, a Spielberg film from 20 30 years 20 years ago, you wouldn't have heard that stuff. I mean, True. he digitally removed the guns out of the feds' hands in ET.
1: Right, but you got to figure it's probably maybe. It's, I mean let's be honest here, denizens of the internet and, and gamer culture there, they have a bunch of potty mouths and this was toned True. way down. Um, so oh, is
0: the book much more vulgar?
1: No, it, no, it's not actually. Um, I think it's just, it could have been a lot worse than it was, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, did, I, I just kind of glazed over that. I didn't, I didn't notice that um, to be quite honest with you. And I, I guess I want to say, since you brought up the book uh, again, um, for those who've read it, the, it's actually pretty different. The first test okay. is not the same at all. It's completely different. Uh, the second test, um, as you alluded to um, in the book, is based around Blade Runner, so it it's is completely different. Okay. Yeah, um, the you have to get a avoid. You have to pass. Um, the void comp test, the thing that determines if you're a replicant or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the whole basis of it.
0: And then, wait, wait a minute, the, let's be hip about it. Uh, the the ex machina thing, like, oh yes. no, it's not the, the Turing, Turing test. test. The Turing test. It's actually test, a yeah. different test for this. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. I was trying to appeal to the millennials. Is what I was. You were. Trying to do there.
1: You were. And then, of <laughs> course, the the final battle, the battle of Castle Anorak, is is pretty similar. But there's probably, well, I would say there's there's Ninety percent less giant robots, which was really disappointing. From <laughs> based off of what happened in the in the final uh, in the final battle, so I will say that.
0: Oh, there were a lot more. Did you get? Were there any transform? I, I was one of the things I was interested about. There's, I seen a lot of things missing. There were no like Masters of the Universe, right? There were no Transformers. There was no Ghostbusters. There yeah. was no. Um, I, I, I. They seem to really capture a lot of licenses, and I guess at some point, there's only so much you can do. And from what I understand too, Spielberg was xing out things. Yeah, were, the special effects people were trying to insert. I think at some point there's a gremlin in, oh, the, okay. in the final fight scene yeah. uh, that they were able to sneak in that didn't get cut. Oh, so okay. uh, I don't know. So maybe there's even more, we got to watch this thing in a, uh you know, in a stop motion type <laughs> yeah. of thing to see if we can try and yeah. catch everything.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, it's in, we're kind of nitpicking on this. I don't think this is a great film by any means. I don't even no. think it's kind of, um, you know, I'd say it's mid-tier Spielberg. It's nothing and it's great. I mean, but I mean, it's it's fun. It's entertaining. It's a nice little diversion. But it's it's not it's not as good as I was hoping it was going to be.
0: I think one of the big faults for me too is the ending.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: how this thing wraps up. I, th- I was just I was very underwhelmed by. Again, I yeah. know, we won't spoil too much of it. But it's it, it's kind of it's more it seems more concerned with tying tying the film together than it is actually presenting an emotional and satisfying ending.
1: Right. You're right. It does kind of, everything seems pretty pat and it's not, it is that way in the novel to an extent, but it's not quite as neat as, as that is, as the ending is for this.
0: Yeah. And, and just to go back to what I said in the opening too, as it's a tour through my childhood, not a compelling narrative. And then, as I said, what I think is still one of the greatest set pieces I've seen is a microcosm of the problems of this movie as well, where it's more focused on what it's showing to you. Than it is about telling the story itself. It's right. all about the presentation uh, and what and all these cool things we can see. Unfortunately, the overwhelming, overarching narrative, I should say, of the film just wasn't as compelling. It wasn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. And they made a lot of changes to the to the to the book. Um, you know. I think the the references are not quite as esoteric. I mean again, some of the tests they have that are like based around Zork. I don't even know if people are going to know what the hell that is. Um, you know I they don't, bring I don't up know. the whole Hands Zork up. is one of the is one of the very first uh text adventures. It's really one of the first computer games. There's no graphics, but it's all text. like you say walk forward and then it'll give you a little thing of what you've walked into kind of thing
0: okay yeah i am not I am not familiar. I'm not that hip. So just uh, one final question for you. Is this Spielberg kind of, uh, is he making a commentary on his career with this film? The man responsible for the summer blockbuster and all this kind of stuff. I, I'm wondering, it, I was wondering as I was watching this, is he, is he closing the book on this stuff by making this film or is he has some greater statement about his OVRA if you will or am i just reading or am i reading too much into it with that
1: um i think it may be a little bit of a soft love letter to the fans like here's a warm blanket to kind of you know you know it's nothing groundbreaking but it's like here's the stuff that you're comfortable with i don't i granted it's been a long time i think the last good you know kind of um popcorn flick that i think spielberg did was minority report but um you know, I still think that he's still got it in him. I think if something comes along to move him, and you know, maybe when he's seventy-five years old, he'll release another great blockbuster kind of thing. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a self-aware of that I didn't really get that sense um, from the film. It didn't seem that deep, if I'm being honest.
0: Has he totally abandoned the, the Schindler's List type stuff or the Saving Private Ryan's? I should say. Is, is are we done with that kind of stuff? Or what was his last? What were his last out?
1: films? What was his last films before this one? I I can't remember. So I the know Post?
0: Like, Maybe mm. The Post is supposed to be that. Yeah, I think it's a read- of Spies, BFG, um, Lincoln, War Horse, Adventures of Tintin, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I know you love Yeah, that. cool. Uh, the less said about that, the better. You know, I I just... I like he hasn't had a statement in film, I think, really, since Saving Private Ryan, or even then. Right. If you're going to do the statement film, Spielberg, you're, you're, the list starts and ends with Schindler's list, which was in 1993. 1993. Well, but
1: you, but you just said it right there. That kind of starts and ends. Before his career, that wasn't really a whole lot before that, right? Yeah, no. No. I mean, and I guess he kind of followed up with, what,
0: Munich? Empire of the Sun, maybe, you could say. Yeah. Even the color purple.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Lincoln... Lincoln I mean, it's
1: and it's not a statement film, but it was. I think it was more. It was closer to that vein. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else could have made this thing though. This is right in his Spielberg warehouse. If you're looking for the summer kind of thing, you, this is the guy you're going to go to to make this movie. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think he was the only one that could have done it, and I think it's serviceable. It's enjoyable enough. I would recommend seeing it on the big screen just because yeah, it, all, it is all spectacle, and you yeah. want to see it in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is this reminds me of this kind of is kind of the meta commentary. I saw this thing where tarantino he was talking about pulp fiction he was talking about how they're in jack riot slims and then john travolta gets up on the on the stage and does the dance and there's the iconic guy doing the iconic thing and a thing that based on iconic scenes and he's like he's basically creating this entire meta circular thing and this is basically what that is to me it's like you know you get steven spielberg because you have to and he puts all this stuff in although i think it's pretty interesting he left out a lot of his own stuff so um but I'm with you. I think you have to see it on the on the big screen. It's it's I would say I think it's a bit of a stretch. I'm gonna say B minus film. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably a bit of a stretch, but I'm gonna cut a little bit of slack.
0: No, I that's where I landed as well. Uh with minus. Okay. B-. I think that's fair. Uh it delivers on what it's trying to do one hundred percent. And it's gonna give you an enjoyable night out at the movie. Right. It's plural. <laughs> so uh I don't know why I ran out of steam there. But yeah, <laughs> so I guess that's where we are. So we're both giving it a B-minus, the Ready Player Ones. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at com. Matt, let's tell you what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, shall we? A film that I didn't really talk about last year, and I meant to bring it up a couple times, and I'm very disappointed in myself that I keep forgetting to bring it up. Yeah, I think it was one of the more entertaining and better films of last year. It didn't obviously make my top ten. And that is Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut of Molly's game. Jessica Chastain plays Molly Bloom, where she runs these underground poker games. And it's a really compelling film. It's really well done. It's very interesting. It may be a little too Aaron Sorkin-y, but it's not as it's not newsroom sorkin. All right. Where it's very talky and very moralizing. This right. is more straightforward, and I think this is why the film is as entertaining as it is is because of chastain and because of idris elba they're mm-hmm. both magnetic on the screen and if you get a chance to check it out you should you can see it now on blu-ray and dvd the greatest showman the whitewashing of pt barnum's film starring hugh jackman it comes with a best buy you get a steelbook. target you get a digital book in walmart you get a song book with two st- song downloads two hours of behind the scenes footage A sing along, eight deleted scenes, and a bunch of other stuff. So did you ever see The Greatest Showman? We did I did not see it.
1: I didn't see it. I I, honestly I have I have a a real distaste for musicals. I have very little patience for them, so I was not in a hurry to see this.
0: We are gonna fix that at some point, folks. It's Uh, the one marathon.
1: Chris, Chris, don't do
0: it. What about have you seen Singing in the Rain? I felt the same way as you did until I watched Singing in the Rain.
1: Okay, but okay, I have to admit, I have not seen Singing in the Rain. Calm down. But the (laughs) I'll
0: sit sit back down. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Um, But it's uh, I even if I love it, I don't think it's going to change my my opinion on the entire genre. I think it's going to be. The exception to
0: the rule kind of i'd thing. want it to just give you a chance th- th- a, the opportunity to say all right well maybe maybe you know maybe this might be worth it." <laughs> just maybe, maybe. <laughs> i will you'll have you'll have to all right so at some point this year i'm going to ask you to watch singing in the rain okay then we can reassess yeah. and go from there <laughs> fair enough all right because i still i want to see west side story which i've never seen mm. so but you can pick up as i said the greatest showman Phantom Thread, one of the better films of last year as well, P.T. Anderson is coming out. Includes an audio commentary with P.T. Anderson. I think it's specific, though, with the camera tests and uh, some other featurettes, including a collection of deleted, ce- deleted scenes with music by Johnny Greenwood. Uh, I was a big fan of Phantom Thread. And I'm glad that's finally coming out. All the money in the world. Hmm which is the story of John Paul Getty and his son get, gets kidnapped, sort of, and directed by Ridley Scott. What's interesting about this, Matt, is what? What's the interesting bit of trivia about all the money in the world?
1: Well, it uh, it used to have Kevin Spacey in a very prominent role as Getty um, in Needless Prosthetics, which I don't even know why they did it in the first place, and then all that stuff came out. He got removed from the film and uh, replaced with Christopher Plummer who I believe got a an Oscar nom for that he as did. well. He did. He came wow. in.
0: They shot the whole thing pretty quickly yeah. with him. And then also has the uh, issue where what Walberg came back yeah. and made like $6 million for his reshoots. I think It was, it was $1, million. $1 million. $1 million? Yeah. All right. And Michelle and Williams got Michelle. scale. <laughs> but it was, I guess, how his contract was built. Of course, the issue yeah. is that Williams and Walberg both have the same agent. Right. So. Right, but Wahlberg did eventually donate all the proceeds for okay. the shoot So good on him. Uh, I I want to see this just because of because of the the interesting story behind it, yeah. and to really see that that. He could that um, Christopher uh, Plummer could come back and then shoot all that stuff in a matter of what, like three weeks or something, yeah. and then churn out an Oscar nominated performance. I think yeah, it's seriously. absolutely fantastic. I mean, just if you
1: watch the get on YouTube, watch the Kevin Spacey version of that trailer, and then watch the Christopher Plummer version, and it's night and day. Like, it's just. Everything about it is just more effortless with Plummer. It doesn't seem like the hammy acting. It, it's got to be a thousand times better. Even though I haven't even
0: seen it either. I one. haven't. I haven't seen that spacey trail. I got. I'll have to do that myself tonight. Uh, Proud Mary is being released as well. Includes a couple making of featurettes. This is Tariji Henson, where she plays. basically a black exploitation film. I guess this would be like an updated right. version of Foxy Brown, Coffee, one of those types. So uh, I do have a soft spot in my heart for that genre. So I'd like at some point to check out Proud Mary. And then My Friend Dahmer is being released. Now, Matt, this is not really a horror film. It's more a drama about the youth of Jeffrey Dahmer and how he became who he is. I believe it kind of basically ends with him picking up um, a male prostitute, and that's where the movie ends. Okay. But still, uh, it's supposed to be a rather interesting take on that story. But for me, Matt, I think the big release this week is Arrow's Deep Red. If you're a fan of Dario Argento, this is considered his Diablo masterpiece. Everybody, mm-hmm. Suspiria is the height of his horror, but when it comes to the Italian thrillers, uh, Deep Red is a classic. It comes to two versions of this film, and this limited edition release there's the original version which has a brand new 4k restoration and then they included the export version which is basically just the US version so uh, not quite as good includes audio commentary by filmmaker and Argento expert Thomas Rostock Matt it's got lobby cards in it little postcard sized reproductions comes with a poster uh, a new uh, lossless soundtrack I mean it's the arrow went all out on this thing so if you're a Deep Red fan this is the version they get. And I'm very excited because I sat on this for a while. I had the DVD, uh, but I never bought the Blu-ray. And I think it was out by, I can't even remember who put the Blu-ray out originally, Snaps maybe? I don't know. But then uh, Arrow is supposed to churn this sucker out and it's supposed to be a great transfer and look fantastic. So uh, I am looking forward to catching up. I was able to pick up a copy already. Uh, Of course. I'm a guy who knows people. So I haven't, unfortunately, have not had an opportunity to watch it, but it will be watched soon. And then finally, you're straight-to-DVD peak of the week is the 420 Massacre, also known as the, the 420 Massacre. One of them, it's like a date, 420, 420. Gotcha. 20 I don't know why I'm spending the time. 420 has become synonymous with the marijuana culture, Matt. I'm not sure if you're aware of that because of your clean living. That's with right. April 20th, now dedicated as the official holiday for weed enthusiasts. And now, this new holiday gets its very first themed slasher with the Gorefield 420 Masker. Over that weekend, five young women have decided to celebrate their friend's birthday by taking a camping trip to a secluded part of a nearby national park. However, Matt, their fun is quickly snubbed out when they stumble upon an illegal marijuana grow operation hidden in the greenery and protected by a bloodthirsty maniac. Will they survive or will they perish in search of the ultimate high? Woo! It's a wow. high-octane comedy thriller Ooh, which makes it go suspense and humor. It's the perfect film to accompany your next joint, or maybe you'll think twice before lighting up next time. Wasn't that <laughs> one of the issues with the Friday the 13th three-to-launch where Jason was basically a pot farmer?
1: Um, I think it was completely unrelated. I, I don't okay. think he was a pot <laughs> farmer. I just think there, there was a guy who lived in the area who grew pot on Camp Crystal Lake property because nobody went there.
0: Oh, okay. Did you hear too that some artist, I think, put a, a Jason statue at the bottom of a, at a at a Crystal Lake lake? Oh, really? yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and he's
1: like looking up. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. <laughs> I have heard of that.
0: All right, Matt. So, what should we be streaming this week?
1: All right. So, on Amazon
0: Prime, um, again, you better one say of the what players. you're gonna. I you better be saying what I think you're gonna say.
1: No, because I haven't seen it yet. I haven't watched it yet, so therefore, oh. I can't say that you can make your own streaming pick of the week when it's your turn, <sighs> which is never. So, <laughs> um, but I'm going to pick one of the better films. I wouldn't better films of 2017, a uh, good time, um, which mm. is uh, stars, Robert Pattinson almost unrecognizable as a small time crook who um, steals um, does a bank robbery with his uh, mentally handicapped brother um, who crime goes wrong, he gets caught, the brother gets caught and the rest of it is him trying to come up with the, the bail money to get him out of prison. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those things that you can't believe all this stuff happens in the course of basically 12 hours, but it is pretty, uh, it is a pretty, uh, uh, intense, uh, uh, nasty little film.
0: Yeah, uh, it is quite good directed by the Shafty brothers and uh, Pattinson turns out a fantastic performance after seeing this. And previously I think it was Rover, the Australian Mm -hmm. film, which you haven't seen is pretty interesting. Uh, I got to say, as the kids say, mad props for Robert Pattinson.
1: (laughs) That's what the kids
0: say. That's right. Uh,
1: Can I, and I I have one more, I have one more deep cut. I want to, I want to bring up. All right, guys, if you haven't, watched you know chris made a he made a reference to his affection for exploitation films let mm. me make a let me make a, a similar plea for um 60s asian uh action movies uh, martial arts movies in particular um if you've watched a quentin tarantino movie you've seen all the cliches and one of the best ones ever that kind of sets the groundwork for this stuff is bruce lee's the fist of fury um just everything about it is is just fantastic the mugging that he does the overacting the Horrible, horrible dubbing, which if you watch this film, please just promise me you're going to watch it in the dubbed English version because it is absolutely fantastic how bad <laughs> it is. Which and the, the fighting is fantastic.
0: Which is the one where he fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Chuck Norris?
1: Uh, so the one he fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the one he died while he was filming. It's called Game of Death. He's literally in it for five minutes. They only had like a few scenes and they built everything around him where they just took the, the photos of a guy in his clothes from the back, from the back. Okay. So you could, or from a distance. So you couldn't see him. The one where he fights Chuck Norris is called, um, uh, return of the dragon or sometimes called way of the dragon.
0: Okay. Look at you dropping. I used the, to knowledge. love
1: Bruce Lee movies, man, man, fist of fury. It's got, it's just got some just fantastic lines. Like, you know, he goes into the Japanese karate school, and the guy, the bad Japanese, the bad karate guy, walks up to him, and he goes, "Oh, you're here! You must be tired of living." That is literally the dubbed <laughs> line, it's <is> fantastic. <laughs> you have to watch it.
0: I have only seen Enter the Dragon. You
1: have? That's the see. That's the American one. That's the one that's actually. That's the one that's most coherent and good. You have got to watch some of these Hong Kong ones. They are watch Fist of Fury. It's it's fantastic.
0: All right, it's on Amazon right now. It is yes. And I'm just going to mention briefly. The thing that Matt didn't bring up because he hasn't watched it yet. (laughs)
1: At this point, I'm only doing it just to to irritate you at this point.
0: It's a 99-cent rental on iTunes, but you don't even have to do that because it's streaming on Amazon if you're an Amazon Prime member. And that is Sean Baker's The Florida Project, one of the absolute best films of 2017, an instant classic. I cannot recommend it enough. Watch The Florida Project. It will break your heart. It'll make you laugh. Willem Dafoe is fantastic in it. I just the Florida Project. Watch it today, and then tell Matt to watch it because this is a travesty. This
1: is unacceptable. It is. If he had a replacement, he would have kicked me off the show days ago.
0: I'm, I'm on the look. <laughs> I'm on the lookout. We'll see what happens with the auction winner guy. Yeah. If he it's, if, it's, if he does a good job sitting on the show in a couple in a couple weeks, it could be curtains. And right. you watch the Florida Project threats all right fine that's right and musicals you have to watch yeah. six musicals in the next <laughs> six
1: weeks And the next week and a half that's
0: right <laughs> all right so matt let's move on and uh let's talk a little bit about game over man after this brief clip that's what we should be doing we should be chugging champagne we should be wearing diamonds collecting albino pythons i'm over here
1: i'm holding onto the poop side of this scrubber oh!
0: sweep the hotel party's over uh,
1: we can take him. Oh. oh!
0: Oh, by the way, I get next kill. Oh. And that is where the trigger is. Are you ready to be Tom Brady? We the Brady bunch. We the Brady bunch. Brady bunch. Do you think Tom Brady is in the Brady bunch? It's the dad, right? No, no, he isn't. All right, Matt. So I'm a big fan of Workaholics. I've actually always enjoyed that show. I think it's very funny. It's very crude. So you, we have our three stars. You have Adam Devine. Devine? Divine? Divine? I, divine?
1: I think it's divine.
0: Divine. Yeah. But why is it then? What's what's the Maroon Five guy then? Adam Levine. Levine. Yeah. All right. So all right. So the Workaholic star is Adam Levine. Anders Holm and then uh and Anders is that Anderson? I've always no, wondered No, Anders. Him. His name is really Anders. It's straight Anders.
1: Yeah, he's he's Dutch or something, Norwegian. Ah, well then he can't be trusted.
0: And then we have Blake <laughs> Anderson. So the three guys, they they play housekeepers at this hotel and that's basically a hostage takeover type situation. It's basically a spoof of Die Hard. All right, right. that's basically what we're talking about here. And I was kind of looking forward to this because I enjoy these guys, as I said. It's actually written by um the untrustworthy Andrus Holm based on a story <laughs> by all of them, including the director Kyle Newichek. He plays their drug dealer in the show Workaholics, so that's uh, okay, kind of right. who he is. Yeah. So I laughed out loud a few times in this thing, Matt. Like yeah. Gut belly laugh out loud. And another times this film is just DOA. Yeah. There are some truly hilarious moments in this thing, but unfortunately I don't think it's enough to carry it through. It's what? 101 minute runtime. Mm -hmm. It is. It's just, I'm not sure what the proper adjective is because it's exceptionally sophomoric in its humor, which I appreciate. Right. I enjoy that kind of stuff. It is truly profane. I am not criticizing it by saying that. That's more, I think, just a warning. Right. If you ever wondered what divine's junk looks like, well, here's the <laughs> chance. Repeat. Lots
1: it. and <laughs> lots of it. Yes. Lots. Not even every 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 word you can use to describe junk is is on display several times through this.
0: Yeah, it's for. <sighs> I don't know, man. I find just un- matting mattingly uneven.
1: Yeah, that's very fair,
0: and I think that's the best way I can describe it. And one of the most uneven films in recent memory. Which makes it more frustrating is because the, the stuff that works just knocks you over with a sledgehammer, but the right. stuff that doesn't is just all right. Yeah, come on, let's let's move on. Right. So I'm not sure. How do you feel? Do you agree with that assessment? Did you enjoy it more than I did, or did you absolutely hate this thing? What's your thoughts? Um.
1: Yeah. I i didn't hate it by any means i think you're right on on the money here i think when it's when it's on it is really on and it's it is very very funny but i think i think this is i think they they're trying to lean in too much into the action aspects of this Mm -hmm. um and i think that's really where it kind of falls apart they're just not i just don't think they have the chops for it really and and um that's where it just does not it doesn't work for me in a lot of instances um you know and uh you know this is a, a kind of a a running, you know, uh, a running litany of, of cameos through it. It's like a spot the cameo throughout oh, the whole thing. And again, some of them are really funny.
0: No, um, no. not a single one of them are funny. I, if you can count the Daniel Stern one as funny, if and I'm well, going to give you a little Daniel leeway. Stern, so now I'm going to give you a little. Okay, then that doesn't count. Then no, I didn't find a single one of those entertaining. I think the the highlight for me. Well, all right, that's not fair. I enjoyed the Shaggy bit. I think yeah. the Shaggy bit worked, uh, but I think that's I think that's it. That's a wrap for me. Every every other one, in the film just just screeched to a halt. Particularly for me, the Joel McHale one. Dear God, I love <laughs> Joel McHale, but yeah. that that stuff with him was horrible. The Donald Faison was okay. Um, yeah that was
1: that was I mean Donald phase on. I mean that was all right. I mean you're right. I mean I thought the, the Jillian parts of it uh, I thought that were pretty funny. There are other hers, coworkers I don't
0: even I don't remember what Jillian Bells.
1: She's she uh she pooped her pants.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean again <laughs> she pooped her pants. Well,
1: it's really not the fact that she pooped her pants so much as the way she sells it. Um and it's I don't know. It's I think you're <laughs> If you're not, I mean, as you said at the very beginning, it's incredibly sophomoric in and <laughs> crude. Yes. So I think that's the kind of humor you're in for for this, you know? I mean, that's true. There is a running gag with a severed penis, you know, being flopped around several times. Several times. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Some could say perhaps too many times.
1: <laughs> Some could say, yes, it would be easy. In fact, I would say that too many times for sure. <laughs> a lot of
0: people are saying. <laughs> Daniel
1: Stern's fake wang. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, and, and then of course, I, I always like to see Rona Mitra. I mm. will always love Rona Mitra for Doomsday, but yeah. um, and she is suitably a badass in this film. But it's again, I, yeah, no. But I Sam Sam Richardson is always a highlight for me. The workaholics guys are entertaining enough. Listen, you get what you pay for.
1: Which is if you which is eight ninety nine a month. And then yeah. and let's be honest, that's why it's there. That's why it's on Netflix. You know, this is basically straight to video.
0: I am really starting to wonder about Matt Singer's theory that Netflix just creates things to have on while you're doing other things in the house.
1: Yeah, because I'll tell you what, I was folding some laundry, I would put this <laughs> thing on pause, I went and fed Emily lunch, you know, I came back to it. You know, it literally took me half the day to watch this film.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> It's in it and I don't want to be pooping all over it like Jillian Bell. I just want to <laughs> say I, I, I were the funny bits enough for you to recommend it Matt is it a was that enough No, I don't think so no
1: no, I would say uh, uh for going with the the patented first run letter grade because nobody else does that I would say yeah. c minus c minus mm.
0: yeah i had it I had it at a c. I, I that's a gentleman. See, I mean, that's the best I can do. It is, <laughs> and that's really a stretch. Yeah, I just, I, I think what it is is I laughed hard enough. Yeah, you know, on the that, parts that were funny. Yes, that yes. it was able to just push it over the top for me, and watching Sh- Shaggy singing for his life uh... <laughs> while arguing about it that it wasn't the right song. <laughs> See, that part was funny. Yeah. So there you go. You know what's weird too in Wikipedia? I don't know if this is accurate. Uh, Adam Devine's character Alex is spelled with three X's.
1: Yes. No, he 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 makes it. They make a joke about that.
0: Oh, I totally missed that.
1: Yeah, he was when he's pumping them up. He's like, "My name's Alex, and I'm with three X's." And he he says something, and then Anders points out that it also means poison.
0: You know. So. That's ah, right. oh, I remember that now. Yeah. Oh, good. Whew, I'm glad you reminded me. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was
1: really paying attention.
0: Yeah. I I, I had a question to you about Blake Anderson's turn in this. Okay. I think that there are a couple jokes about him being gay at the beginning of the film that were making me a little weary. Yeah. I was a little concerned about how they were going to handle that. Right. And I got to admit by the end of it, I was okay with it. I think yeah. the final reveal when they all think they're going to die and they're like, Oh yeah, right. yeah no, you said it. You, yeah. When you get drunk, every time you get drunk, you tell us it's not a big deal. Right. You know? <laughs> so it, it saved that for me because I think yeah. this, uh, even though it's profane, this may sound weird. It's not offensive. No, it's not
1: because it, you can see it's kind of going that You think it's going to go that way that like these guys are not going to be cool with it, but it's just more the fact that, you know, they're just irritated that he would just come, just come out with it already, you know. Just, just yeah. we all know, just just say something because you've told us dozens of
0: times while you're blackout drunk. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so um, I was happy about that. Yeah. All right, any other thoughts on the uh, game over, May? no i mean if you're don't have any
1: kids or grandmas around to be easily offended don't watch it with your mom um maybe don't even watch it i mean i don't don't watch this with anybody just kind of watch this by yourself and just have it on in the background while you fold laundry like i did so
0: (laughs) good for you (laughs) yeah i think that's the best way to recommend it that's a good way to wrap it up if you had a chance to see game over man we'd love to hear your thoughts as always please do not hesitate email us at feedback at the first run.com. All right, Matt, what's coming up next. It's going to be a very clumsy segment. Uh, I'm it's still working. It's still worksmith in the title, <laughs> which is five best late career directorial efforts. I don't know how that, that doesn't really work on a billboard or a bumper sticker, <laughs> but it is what it is. And let's sure. hear a clip from me for a film that didn't make the cut. All That's right. Close. So close. I didn't mean to
1: get in your way. Wow. It's okay. You're the boss. Nice job. Wow. Nice job. I kind of think he was over 10 feet high, don't you? Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. A very big bear. Wow. Anyway, he's over here rub-a-dub-dubbing. He's a big bear. The excitement Treadwell felt connected him immediately with children. In his campaign to create awareness, he reached thousands and thousands of school children who would remember his fabulous storytelling as one of the highlights of their school years. He took his mission so seriously that he never solicited for a fee. Over time, he reached the status of a national celebrity,
0: And of course, Werner Herzog is talking about Timothy Treadwell from his Mm. riveting documentary, Grizzly Man, about Mr. Treadwell who went to live among the bears and met with an unfortunate but predictable end.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That scene when Herzog is listening to the last audio tape with Treadwell begging the bear to not consume him. Um, is just, it's just because you don't even hear it, right? You're just watching yeah, you just watch it. You don't hear it. He's Herthog. listening to, reacting
1: to it and he's telling the, the person who owns it, who's never listened to it to never listen his to wife. it. He's like, promise me. Yeah. So promise me you will never listen to this. Yeah.
0: I, it is absolutely chilling. I'm getting goosebumps now. Just thinking about, it. um, partly why too, it's a documentary. Right. So I don't sure. know if it was fair to include, but still Herzog made it at 63. It's one of his best films. If you haven't seen it, you should seek it out. Just be wary. So, all right, Matt. So we made the cutoff at age 60. Yes, we did. So why don't you start everything off? That gives me the ultimate number one, which I think is only fair. And there is really only one one number one. But, which I guess is a very redundant thing to say. (laughs) But still. (laughs) And I want to preface this by saying I have not seen, which may be a lot of people's number ones, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I have not seen Fanny and Alexander being Bergman. So that is why it's not on my list.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't see it either. So, but I mean, you're the film, you're the film, you know, you're the film historian here among the two of us.
0: That's what we're doing next, Matt. I know we have a big anniversary coming up and I was going to force you to do a, fr- a French new wave marathon, but we yes. got to work in a Bergman at, at some point as well. Okay. All Fair right. enough. Go ahead. Start us off
1: all right so my uh number five um it's a bit of a cheat i don't know you may argue with me a little bit here because it's an animated film um i'm talking about Hayao miyazaki um of studio ghibli fame yep. um he's been producing films for for many many years um first one i believe was in the early to mid 80s i don't know if it was 1982 or 1984 *Nausicaa* um in the valley of the wind um but in 2001 when he turned 60, uh, Miyazaki released uh, Spirited Away, which may be, is arguably his best film. Um, it's a fantastic kind of like uh, otherworldly uh, uh, film um, that I, I really, I think it's really, you got to see it. I don't want to tell you too much about it, but it is right. it is a really fantastic movie if you haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. I love Spirited Away. I, it ended up in an honorable mention for me because of the animated portion of it, which sure. I think is just ridiculous of me even to say. I think it's horrible. The it's elitist. It's like, elitist. Yeah, elitist. and likely, like, it's a reason why there hasn't really been, what, an animated film nominee for Best Picture. Sure. It's a, always regulated to the Best Animated Film category, which mm-hmm. just simply isn't fair. That's very true. So, that's a good pick. My number five is Sidney Lumet's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. He, the last film he made, he was 83 years old. Fantastic performances by Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ethan Hawke, uh, Marissa Tomei. Hoffman and Hawk play brothers and they rip off their father's business and everything goes to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a fantastic film. Uh, just incredible performances from start to finish in this thing. And Lumet, Lumet really went out on top. I mean, you to talk about a legendary director and to, to cap your filmography with something like this, uh, just good for you. So yeah. uh, if you haven't seen before the devil knows you're dead, check it out immediately. It is, it's fantastic all right simply fantastic
1: simply fantastic um all right so my number four is kind of like the last gasp um i would say great film of one of the best directors of all time one of chris's personal favorites Uh um is uh well the the director not the film um Uh is frenzy by alfred hitchcock came out when he was uh Seventy-three years old. Start. It's basically the story of a serial killer terrorizing London, who kills people by using neckties against them. Um, and, yeah, and um, essentially, a uh, air force officer. He, a royal air force officer. His wife is murdered by the serial killer, and he becomes a suspect. And basically, it's one of the you know classic Hitchcock's you know twists and turns to kind of clear his name, kind of thing. Um, it's it's not. It's nowhere near his like height of Hitchcock over but i think it's like his last it kind of showed that he still had something in him like when he produced it out stuff that came out after and immediately before was not it's not particularly memorable but i think frenzy i think is his kind of last showing what hitch could do and what hitch was famous for
0: yeah i think generally people think birds is his last great film right but here's a confession for you matt i haven't really seen any latter-day hitchcock
1: no i haven't seen a lot much of it either i mean i've only seen Family frenzy plot. I haven't yeah. seen.
0: Foren- I haven't seen Frenzy. I haven't oh, okay. seen any of that stuff. Sure, that's something else I need to rectify. Clearly, son of a, I am a fraud. You are a fraud. My number four, <laughs> probably the laziest layup of the bunch. Okay, well, no, no. There's a lot more coming, <laughs> folks. It's going to be Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Done at 62 years of age. The pinnacle of the western you know the searchers and the italian spaghetti western stuff but still for modern day westerns you no one else could have made this film he stars in it as well it's his clint eastwood's just i think his best film mm. and it's uh unforgiven gene hackman is fantastic and what's so great about unforgiven as well is the ambiguity the moral ambiguity of it all depending on how you watch this film any one of these people are the good guy or the bad guy. Hackman right. is initially, when I first watched it as a kid, I would have been, 1992, it would have been, what, five? And <laughs> I watched this thing, and you think that Hackman's the bad guy, that he's like the psychopath. Right. You know, but it, it, he's not. Right. He's a right, guy no. trying to keep his cl- his town clean. Right. You know, of crime and stuff, and it's just... It's just a fascinating story. I absolutely love Unforgiven. I probably watch it at least once a year. Yeah. So, 62 years of age. I, I was thinking of going with the latter day stuff, maybe a million dollar baby or even an American sniper because he's what, 74 at that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 84 American sniper, 74 yeah. million dollar baby. Cause I had them both as honorable mentions. But I had to go with, since, it was, since 60 was the cutoff, I had mm. to go with Unforgiven. Okay we might
1: hear about that again but here we go All number right. three um is i'm gonna go with i have i'm gonna have some layups as well so my number three was the second film i thought of when i proposed this um this is uh martin scorsese friend of the show mm-hmm. we call him marty I'm um, kind of going back to his crime roots and coming up with maybe one of his I mean definitely is probably his third best of the kind of like criminal underworld films um in the departed um star it's this is a remake of the hong kong film infernal affairs um but it stars jack nicholson as a boston uh, mob boss leonardo dicaprio is an undercover cop um trying to expose him and the corruption of the department stars mark Wahlberg and a very an exquisitely slimy and conniving matt damon um in in this film and mm. it's just the twists and turns of it. jack nicholson just chewing up the scenery like crazy I think he's literally doing coke off of girls and stuff and it's just the whole thing is just fantastic to watch it's a whole lot of fun um and it's really kind of you know marty's i guess well, well you have to, have to see because it's kind of a cheat because he's still making movies but we'll have to see if he comes up with any more of his uh his uh criminal underworld type of uh, films in the future.
0: Yeah, I had departed as an honorable honorable mention for me. Here's why. There's a couple things. One, I think Infernal Affairs is a better movie. I've
1: never seen it, so I
0: can't say. Okay. Two, I don't like Nicholson's performance in that thing. I think it's... Okay. Here's where where it's weird. I think it's too showy. Okay. It's too much. And sit down. Are you ready for this? I love Wahlberg in this thing. Mm. you want to talk about a showy performance <laughs> it's walberg and baldwin are basically trading shots throughout this thing yeah but there's something about it that i i adore that i don't care for so much about nicholson in that film mm. and then finally another honorable mention for me to stick with scorsese was silence yeah just because the passion behind it and how gorgeous a film it is. Mm. And to have finally made your passion project at 74 years old, I just had to have it in there as an R. Sure, watch. sure. That's fair. And, and you know what? Your criticism of, of Nicholson's performance, thats it's
1: completely on the money. It's not everybody's cup of tea. He's definitely, he's definitely hamming it up in the hammiest of ways. I and mean, you either are on board with that or you're not. And I'm giving Jack a little leeway.
0: It's like Pacino in Heat, but not as entertaining.
1: Right. But it's not, it's not Pacino in literally anything after Heat, like sent of a woman or devil's advocate or he's basically become a character of himself.
0: That's true. So my number three is a film that I think kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. This director was kind of a genre director for the most part. And then he, he churned out two films right at one after one, right after another. And he's kind of gone back into the more genre field or at least more independent smaller field okay but at the age of 62 and then i think again at 63 64 the second next film but at 62 david cronenberg delivers one of the best films um is it the 90s i'm blanking now early aughts this is so embarrassing
1: well you say it and i'll tell you the
0: history of violence that's early aughts okay yeah and then followed up by Eastern Promises, both films mm. with Viggo Mortensen. But his A History of Violence is an adaptation of Max Allen Collins' this graphic novel. is a riveting, modern-day noir. You will be on the edge of your seat from start to finish on this thing. And it is just an impeccable film. A History of Violence is one of my, I think, all-time favorite films. Yeah. And, and with our 60 cutoff again, there's no way it wasn't going to be on this list. Number two. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a little ashamed that I uh, didn't even think of A History of Violence. Um, that is a fantastic film. I absolutely adore A History of Violence. It is, Viggo Mortensen is just absolutely fantastic. When he does that turn, man, it is just, it is chilling just to even think about that kind of thing. Um, but good pick. Good. That's why you're the boss. And I'm just here along for the ride. <laughs> All right, what you got? my number two is the first film that i thought of when i proposed this it is clint eastwood's unforgiven Mm -hmm. i'm a huge fan of westerns i love westerns um when they're good and clint eastwood is is really the iconic western actor he's been in just so many good ones and i think this is honestly this is the peak of it i mean um i'm hard pressed to think of a, a better western that has come out since that film um you know you know first was released um i mean uh, the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford is a very beautiful film if it's over long but i mean everything about unforgiven is just really is just really the distillation of of what a western is it's kind of nasty as chris said it's ambiguous on who the good guy is who the bad guy is there really isn't anyone everybody is good and bad on both measures and it's 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 just a fantastic film if you have not seen it you have to rectify that situation. It is the best, one of the best of the genre for sure.
0: There you go. All right. My number two then is the Hitchcock film that he made when, that came out when he was 61. Okay. it's I wouldn't, I think the birds is a bit overrated. I'm not a big fan of the birds at all. Right. But right. the film that redefined the horror genre, which is Psycho. Okay. This thing, one of the more influential films. He was films 61 when Psycho came time. out? He was born in 1899.
1: Holy God! Psycho okay, came okay out see, I didn't even in, see. I think that's like prime Hitchcock. So I didn't even think that that was late stage career kind of thing, you know? Yeah, he was, wasn't even thinking about it.
0: 1899, my man was born. I've seen all the old stuff. Like I yeah. said, I I, I haven't. See, I think I've seen bits of Marnie. I've never seen Torn Curtain. I haven't seen Tobaz Frenzy or Family Plot. Okay, so I have some work to do. Clearly, but still, yeah, it's 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 Psycho. You you may have heard about it. Like you may I don't have know heard how much there's. Yeah. They make. Matt, they made a documentary movie about, what, five minutes of that film. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's that's how influential it is. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. There's nothing I can really say, so it's my number two. All right. So my number
1: one is um, one that we watched for the show not too long ago. Um, the great japanese director akira kurosawa known for his samurai films um you know has done some of the all-time great films of all time and, and rashomon and the seven samurai and he you know and later in his career and it's really unfortunate he kind of lost some of his luster he lost a lot of his influence but he had one he released a, a, a retelling of um king lear called ron um basically set in feudal japan and it is it is absolutely gorgeous i mean it's just what he is able to do with um you know the the color palette and just the scenes that he sets up every bit of it is just absolutely beautiful um if you like cinema you have got to check out Ron. if you have not seen it
0: yeah I, it's my number one as well like yeah. i said outside of fanny and eggs Islander, alexander which i haven't seen unfortunately I don't think there was another film that could have topped the list. It is easily number one. Is Ron? I confess, I have not seen Dreams, mm. so it's entirely possible Dreams is the better film. I don't, I don't think so. I doubt it. I doubt it highly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ron is my number one as well. Wow, that's amazing. We actually, you made a, you made
1: a, 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 a sweeping proclamation of only one was a, pro, only one could be right, and we both actually independently picked it exactly that never happens guys that never I, happens folks so this is this is the real number one
0: i had faith in you this time so any, <laughs> any other honorable mentions for you
1: um the only thing i would mention that we you wasn't mentioned in our many ones we've already said is i i'm partial to mystic river as well i think mm-hmm. that's also pretty solid clint eastwood um you know it's a good client crime film um i mean clint's a tough one because he just seems to keep pushing he when you think he's done just making Drak, like all of a sudden he comes out with something that's pretty, pretty solid and yeah, um I think it's worth that kind of in the list.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um I also had there are parts of Bridge of Spies that I really like, the Spielberg mm. film. Okay. And then I don't know if this would hold up. I haven't watched it in a long time, but Ridley Scott the Gladiator at sixty
1: three. Okay uh that's i've seen i've seen gladiator i've caught bits and pieces of it and it's it's not as good as you remember i haven't
0: seen it in a long time i picked it up on blu-ray the corrected blu-ray because i guess the original color timing was off okay um and i have yet to watch it so it's entirely possible you're right yeah it's it's
1: it's fun it's a fun movie but it's not a great movie
0: fair enough all right matt We'd love to hear your thoughts, everybody. What do you think are the best late career efforts by your favorite director? Shoot us an email at feedback at the firstrun.com. Matt. Mm-hmm. Next week. Yes. Next week. The big, big surprise hit. A quiet place. 97% in rotten tomatoes. Made a ton of money. The the industry is shocked by how well this thing is done. So I'm happy to see Jim doing so well. <laughs> Without uh, Pam. That's
1: right. So we'll be discussing With his consolation prize, Emily Blunt.
0: We'll be discussing a quiet place. I also still I, I, Blockers looks interesting, and there's still a bunch of other stuff in the theater too we want to check out. Yeah. Um. There is the Death of Stalin, which may yep. already be gone. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll try to work that in uh, at some point soon. I'll be doing my Tampa, the Gasparilla Film Festival, the Tampa Festival International Film Festival down here. Wrapped up. One of the films coming up this week is one I did see, which is Chappaquiddick. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping to do a little special show on that. One of that, of course, will be My Best Fiends, which is the next film by, well, not by, but starring one Mister Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. So I have a few thoughts on that. We still have to see Isle of Dogs. There's just so much going on. I can't. I can't even get. I uh, know we're
1: getting. It's getting into. It's getting into. It's getting into party time here. You
0: can count. On a quiet place, and the rest will be a pleasant surprise. Right. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, 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 scroll. Eventually, you will find us. You can also listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Tune in. Stitcher. TheFirstRun.com. Call me. I'll play it over the phone. Whatever you need. And go to Apple Podcasts, and if you wouldn't mind terribly, give us a rating. That's really what's going to push us up minimum three and a half stars. I'm not going to be greedy and say four or five. Minimum three and a half.
1: Yeah, if you're not going to give us at least three and a half stars, don't bother. Don't rate us.
0: (laughs) And that's going to be the big show for this week. We're going to take an extended break, and we'll see you all soon. Don't pick a fight
1: with me. You certainly won't come out alive. I'll go right through you and it'll be you who ends up on the floor. Understood?